Thank you for listening to this message from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. Before we get started, I always like to open with prayer, so let's do that. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray that it would be your words that are spoken here tonight, not mine. Your word says that it never returns void, and so we just thank you that every person who enters here will be changed uh, by your word. We thank you for it, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as we saw there, today we're doing Prepared. This is the series that Samuel has been doing. And today, earlier today, he told me uh, he wasn't feeling well. He's got some sinus things. There's a storm inside his sinuses right now. And uh, so I get to give today's message. Um, and I'm excited about it. So I kind of looked over it. I, you know, put in a few of my own stories instead of his. Uh, added a couple of verses here and there. Did it, did it up a little bit. So, you know, he'll be the most surprised in how it turns out. Because uh, I'm, I'm preaching his sermon. So we'll see how he likes how it turns out. Um, we're, I'm going to just recap where we were at. We're basing um, the whole series is about being prepared. And on the two houses that we just saw in the video, Matthew 7, 24 says the following. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine puts them into practice like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat on that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and it beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. And so we look at that and we say, well, what was the difference between the two houses? What, what, what caused the house to fall? Was it the storm that caused the house to fall? Not really, because if it was the storm that did it all, then both houses would have had the same result. It was the foundation. It was the lack of foundation. So how many of you were told that if you would just become a Christian, everything would be peachy keen? Everything would just go great. If you were told that, how many of you have figured out that's not true? Okay, it's not true. In fact, if you were told that, you were told wrong. Because even the Bible doesn't say that. It says in John 16.33, it says, I have told you these things. Jesus is speaking. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. <laughs> he says, I'm telling you this so that you'll be peaceful. You're going to have problems. <laughs> Think about it. I'm telling you this so that you'll have peace. You're going to have problems. How does that, how do those two come together? We're going to talk about that today. He says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So that's, that's, that's it. That's what we're excited about. We're realize, realizing that Jesus has overcome the world. He's given us a way to get through the trouble. The trouble. Sometimes there will be storms. And we're going to go um, last week. Uh, you, if you, how many of you guys were not here last week? Okay, last week... Uh, there was a time warp, and he, Sam didn't quite get through as far as he thought he was going to. And he told you all that you'd be talking this week about Paul and, his storm, and the storm that he went through. And we're going to learn from what he and the other people in his boat did and didn't do. Because how many of you realize a lot more is caught than taught? And it's a lot easier to learn from seeing what someone has done, from watching someone go through something, from hearing about what happened, than it is to have someone stand up and give you a stale list of principles. 
So we're going to look at what happened to Paul. Acts 27, verse 9 says, Much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous, because now it was after the fast. So Paul warned them, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. So Paul is getting taken uh, by the Romans. Paul is actually a prisoner at this point, if you weren't familiar with the story. He's a prisoner. He's being taken to Rome to have an audience with Caesar and... They're about to leave, and they're concerned because they know the weather patterns. And in a certain time of the year, there tends to be a lot of storms. And they're pushing it. You know, how many of you guys have ever, like, pushed your departure? You know, you got to go to, you know, like, I, I should leave, but, you know, and you kind of push it back. Well, they just kind of did that. They pushed it all the way back, and they knew they were cutting it close. And Paul, he says, I see that our voyage is going to be disastrous. But they don't follow his advice. Now, here's one of the ways that God helps us through storms. He tells us to avoid it in the first place. So, a lot of times, when, when we have a storm in our life, we're like, God, where are you? He's like, I told you not to go down that road. And, and we're all freaking out. Now, we're going to see, you go down there, he still has a way. His peace can still be found there. But I want to take a moment to talk about the fact that so often, God, he gives us an out before the storm even starts. How many of you heard the, we all know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And that's God. Sometimes, that, that warning it's just right in our Bible. The Bible says it's poor judgment to guarantee another person's debt or put up security for a friend. How many of you know what a cosignee is? Okay? I worked in mortgages for a number of years, and it always blew my mind how lightly every person who would do a cosign seems to do it. They are putting their name on a paper promising to pay a debt. For you, if you don't feel like it. That's what that is. Let me tell you how to have a storm in your life. <laughs> Co-sign for someone who then quits paying. That happens. If, <clears throat> hey, if, if it's your kid and you totally would be willing to pay that payment if they can't, then sign that paper. But if you are not ready, willing, and able to make that payment for them, catch the willing part. <clears throat> the Bible says, yeah, that's pretty foolish. You know, there are so many different areas. The Bible talks about different things. Don't be unequally yoked. In marriage, somebody, you know, sees some great guy or girl and says, well, I know they're not a Christian, but how to have a storm in your life. Plan B. So many different things. And, and there are other things that aren't so clear where God says, do this. But he doesn't say why. And a lot of times we look at it and we're like, that doesn't look like fun. So we don't do it. Can I take a rabbit trail for a minute? 
sex before marriage. The Bible says don't do it. That doesn't sound like any fun. So, let me just paint you a really quick picture of how a storm comes. Okay? You're in love. You're dating. You really care for each other. You've gotten engaged. You know it's coming. Why not? I mean, we know we're not supposed to, but hey, we're going to get married. So you do it. Fast forward two years. You have a little baby at home. There's a business trip. There is a coworker who is totally after, but who, what depends on who you are, whether we say you or the, the spouse. But off they go on a business trip and the spouse is at home and knows that there's going to be temptation there. What goes through their mind? Do they say to themselves, it's wrong, he won't do it. You know what they remember? If he really wants to, he probably will. Because we knew it was wrong, and we did it anyway. How to have a storm in your life. God says, this is why you do it. Why, why follow God's word? Because when you, when, when, <clears throat> let's change that scenario. Let's say you did it God's way. Now we're back, we've got the business trip, and we know there's going to be temptation. But it's, you know what? <clears throat> I remember how much we each wanted to jump the gun, but we didn't because we knew it was wrong. We knew what was right. We knew that it was important to please God. It doesn't matter how much temptation shows up on that business trip. I know what he's going to do when he's tempted because I've been there and I've seen it. So God put that back to the rabbit trail. Back from that. So plan first thing god does is he shows us how to avoid the problems by telling about it in the in the beginning sometimes it's straight up in the scripture sometimes it's not there i mean the bible doesn't say which school to attend doesn't say a lot of there are a lot of things there's not a scripture that says thou shalt go to u of m there just isn't there's a lot of different things. There's a lot of things that the scripture doesn't say this Friday night. You shouldn't go out on that trip. You shouldn't board that plane. You shouldn't do this. No, it doesn't. But God can still lead us. The Bible says that he leads us with his peace. Colossians 3 verse 15 says, And let the peace that comes from Christ rule, guide, in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 11 says, so will, so will my words which goes forth from my mouth, I will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. For you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. It's that peace that passes understanding. When, when I was a teenager... I was a bit on the mischievous side. Not the mischievous side where I would go and like bash people's mailboxes in or paint graffiti on things. But I had a particular friend and I who just, we were a bit of adrenaline junkies. And so we loved to to climb things, do, you know, just, it, it started when we were like six. His next door neighbor would mow the lawn. We would sneak around and try to hide from the neighbor as he mowed the lawn so he couldn't see us. We just, we just loved that like adventure risky feeling. So when I was a teenager, 
I did a few things I probably shouldn't have. I didn't break anybody's stuff. I didn't do anything, but we would sneak and climb and stuff. How many of you guys know, uh, what is it? Is it BD? used to be BD's Barbecue, but now it's something else. The barbecue place on 44th Street. <clears throat> right next to it, there's a Seventh-day Adventist church. It has a stone front on the front of that. My buddy and I climbed to the top of that. I fell off the top of that. But before that happened, so that was the kind of thing we'd do. We'd be like, hey, you want to climb that? Yeah, I want to climb that. Let's go climb that. And we would go and climb that. So one time, we were um, in Grand Haven, and there was this smokestack of a building that was there. And he's like, hey, let's climb it. Now, it had a ladder. Okay, do you realize how easy it is to climb a ladder? Okay. I had no problem climbing buildings with no ladders. But you know what? That day, he said, let's go climb that. Something strange happened. I just didn't feel peace about it. It was the type of thing that I would normally have done at that time. But I, I didn't feel peace about it. And I said, you know what? Great idea, but not going. To, be, to this day, I have no idea. Would it have been an awesome climb and we'd have just had fun and left? Or was there danger there that God warned me about? I don't know. But I'm glad I didn't try and find out. Because God leads us with his peace. So, they didn't listen to Paul's advice. Now, if you were there, think about it. Who would you have listened to? The prisoner or the captain? In our lives... Who do we listen to? Whose report do we believe? Do we believe our friends? Do we believe our emotions? Do we believe the specialist? Do we believe the doctor? Do we believe the Bible? Do we believe... What, where is it? When, when the report comes through and he, we see, where am I going to go? Which one do we believe? Is it, is it their coach, our mom, our dad, our teacher, our boss, our siblings? Who is it that we trust? The answer should be, above all, above anything else, I trust God's word. I trust his peace. The, the Bible tells us that his sheep know his voice. And there's a difference. There's, there's, a, there's a lack of peace that comes from the Holy Spirit. And there's a lack of peace that just comes from fear. And the Bible says fear is not from the Lord. So there's a difference. I'm not saying anytime you don't feel thumbs up about it, well, you better just not do it. No. Pray about it. Seek. When, when do you have peace? When do you not? When, when does the peace leave? Um, I, it reminds me a little bit of a story, um, an old Indian proverb, and I mean, you probably heard it. They said that there's two wolves inside of you, one that wants to do good and one that wants to do evil. Have you ever heard this? And then, so the, the story goes that there's this Indian, he's telling his, his little grandson that there's a wolf inside that wants to do good and there's a wolf inside that wants to do evil. And the little grandson says, well, which one wins? And he says, the one that you feed. And so, when I, I want to apply that to what we're talking about. When it comes to who do I listen to? Who do I give credence to? Who will win that battle for influence in my heart? And the answer is whoever you feed. 
You can't expect God's word to have influence in your heart if you don't bring in God's word into your heart. If God's word is this thing that you heard once, like in a blue moon, and then you've got your, your, your friends, your neighbors, your, your emotions, whatever else it is, just going at it. And you're like, well, of course it's going to be hard to follow the right advice when you haven't built up God's word in your own heart. Let's keep going with, with Paul's story. It says, since the harbor was unsuitable in winter, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. Then, when a gentle wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted. So they're in this debate, hey, it's late in the season, do we go, do we not go? Well, this is kind of a bummer of a place to spend a whole winter, but if we could just get you know, over to this other spot, <laughs> you know, they've got a much nicer harbor, there's way more fun things to do there, we'd rather spend the winter there. Most people voted on it. When the wind came through and it looked like a favorable wind, they're like, this is what I wanted. How many of you have ever thought you got what you wanted? You thought that you were going to get enough money. You thought you met Mr. or Mrs. Wright. You thought that this dream job was going to bring fulfillment. You thought that being a mom or dad was going to bring fulfillment. You thought that getting out of your marriage was going to bring fulfillment. You thought that the very thing that you wanted had just come. Colossians 2 verse 10 says, So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is head over everything, every ruler and authority. See, we're only complete in God. There's no one else can complete us. Nothing else will complete us. There's not enough money in the world to make you happy. All of us have seen tabloids at the checkout counter. And we, but we still fall for it. We still think, if I could just have money, I'd be happy. The tabloids are proof of that is not true. If I could just be well-known, famous, that would make me happy. That seems to have the opposite effect, to be honest, if you <laughs> pay attention. But still, people seek that like it's going to bring them satisfaction. There's so many things out there, the most universal of which is probably money. So many people just think, if I could just get enough money, then I could be happy. I wrote a poem a while back. Here's a little excerpt from it. It says, money pays the bills and keeps the cold outside, but seeking not but dollars is a disappointing ride. Most folks got rich and much to their surprise, or many folks got rich and much to their surprise, found riches are not where true fulfillment lies. We think we go to work to fill our purse with money, but that is not the reason. No, I am not being funny. No one wants a dollar just because it looks so nice. We all want something else, and the dollar is the price. We trade our time for money, and then we start to spend. But once we make a purchase, the trading didn't end. When I want a hole, they don't sell them at the store. But, so, though I do not want it, I buy one item more. 
I act as if I want a drill and a drill bit, but what I really want is what I'll make with it. So we think, I want money. We think I want fame. We think I want a person to, to, to love me. I think I want this. I, I want to be away from this person. I think, we think that there's all these different things that can bring us satisfaction. We think that if I had money, but you know what? Nobody really wants money. Have you ever thought of that? I mean, money, nobody really wants it. That's why we're fine with it. It's just nothing but a digital, digital clip because what we really want is all the things we think it can get us. And why we really want those things is because we think those things will make us safe, will make us happy, will do all of that. And it's not true. True fulfillment lies only in Jesus. So, continuing in the verse, it says, So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. And before very long, a wind of hurricane force called a northeaster swept down from the island. They had a name for it. It's kind of funny. We have names for everything that comes our way. There's stress. There's alcohol. There's divorce. There's unemployment. There's bankruptcy. You know, we could all list a name of the different storms that have come our way. The ship was caught by the storm and it could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and we're driven along. <laughs> this is when you know the storm is bad, when you can't even be in control anymore. You thought you could control it, but you couldn't. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you had no control? No control. I want to tell you about a time I was in a situation and I had no control. So when I was a teenager, I went to Panama on a mission trip. And there was a bunch of other teenagers that went along and, you know, and they had, got, had some uh, leaders and, and all that. And so we, were, we had been in Panama and it was the last day. The night before we had like this huge pillow fight and all this good fun. And then the next morning at like four in the morning, we packed up a bus, we piled all of our belongings in the way back and then we got into the seats in front and we start driving like an hour and a half in the Panamanian jungle out to where the airport was. You know, it's dark. We're sitting in there, not really paying any attention. You know, the bus is stopping, the bus is starting. I'm sitting there between two people, and we're just, you know, bumping along at 5.30 in the morning in the dark in Panama. The bus stops. Don't think anything of it. All of a sudden, a bunch of guys jump up on the front. One of them has a gun. They're all got their hoods over their head, and they just start shouting in Spanish for everyone to just shut up and not move. And the, the, the bus is being hijacked. And the two people that I'm sitting between go, ah! And just throw their heads down. No control. I'm going to finish that in a little bit. So, as we passed the lee of the small island called Cauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. When the men had hoisted it aboard, they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together, fearing that they would run aground the sandbar in Sirtis. They lowered the sea anchor and they let the ship be driven along. They're not even trying to stop it anymore. They're like minimizing damage. They're like, we, we can't steer it, we can't do anything. We just, hopefully we can tie the boat together. On the third day, so after three whole days of this, 
I'll give you a clue. My little circumstance was pretty short-lived. They were out of control for three days, at least. Because after three days of that, they start throwing the ship's tackle overboard. They're like, we don't... You know, that if you're in a car, that'd be like throwing the steering wheel out. It, it's like, we don't need that. I mean, we're just so out of control. We, anything to make it lighter. They're just anything. They're starting to throw the ship's tackle overboard. That is true desperation. When you just know, there's nothing else I can do, anything at all. It says, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raising, raging, we finally gave up hope of being saved. There's three stages of a storm. There's the first when the storm comes and you think, you know, with a little bit of help, I could do this. Just a little. All I need is, you know, to be on my A game. All I need is a little bit of caffeine, a little coffee. You know, all I need is, is a vacation and then come back and tackle this. All I need is just, you know, a little advice from here or there, a little bit of help. Or this is where we have that attitude. Yeah, this is bad. If I wanted to stop, I could. You know, it's when I, I'm pretty much in control of this. It's a little bit crazy, but it's okay. Or the next one is, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get out of this mess. You know, I'll do it. I'll do whatever it costs me. I'll, I'll spend up to all my money. I'll spend, you know, I'll give up a friend. I'll, I'll do whatever. I, I don't care what people think. I'm just going to get it done. And then there's stage three which is, I can't do this. I cannot do this. There is no way. It doesn't matter if I, if I commit all my resources. It doesn't matter if I give up appearances. It doesn't matter what I do. There's no way for me to tackle this on my own. Somebody else is going to have to help me. After the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and he said, Men, you should have taken my advice. You should have listened to me. Not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself all this damage and loss. But now I urge you, keep up your courage. But not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night an angel of the God whom, whose I am and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. Now, the storm is still going on, okay? The storm is still happening. They still haven't seen the, 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 the sun or the stars or anything. The storm is still going, but he says, do not be afraid. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. Do you ever consider the fact that people who are doing life with you are sailing with you, that you have an impact on the people around you. Men, he said, for I have faith in God. Well, he says, so keep up your courage. He says that twice. He said, keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Courage. It's the quality of mind or spirit that enables a person to face difficulty, danger, or pain without fear. It's bravery. So let me go back to the bus in Panama. So we're on the bus. 
there's these hooded guys going up and down the aisles, shouting stuff in Spanish. They're like, They start looking around for somebody and everybody's just flipped out, just flipped out. Just, and, and I'm sitting there, I'm watching. And I still remember. I mean, this was not good, but I remember thinking, should I hide my wallet or just let them have the money? And, and I was looking at all the people who were just like, ah! and I thought, you know, it might be a little offensive to them if I just started hiding my wallet right now. We'll just, you know, we'll go with it. And they go up and down. They reached over to a guy right next to me. So there was uh, three seats on this side, an aisle, and maybe there was three or two, but there was two people sitting over there. They grabbed a guy, pulled him over the girl he was sitting next to, and drug him out the front of the bus. And the girl, like, you know, he clamors over. Ah! She slams against the side and is just, just shuddering. And they pulled two or three people off the bus out away and, and most of the, the guys left. And there was still one guy standing up in the front. The, the guy who was leading our trip, at one point, he stood up. You know, when they're shouting to be quiet, he says, everybody pray in tongues. Everybody stopped praying just long enough to hear him and then went back to praying. And then, now how many of you would think, just, just I have a question, how many of you would think it would be hard to have courage in that moment? As Paul Harvey said, the rest of the story. So then, outside, I hear laughter. There are people laughing. The guys that that are hijacking are out there laughing. And they come back up with their hoods off. It was some of the locals we'd been working with who did in that pillow fight the night before. They lost the pillow fight. This was revenge. I thought it was hilarious. (laughs) Me and one other person thought it was really, really funny. Some of the people experience post-traumatic stress syndrome because of this situation. Now, now that you know the outcome, how many of you think it would be easy to be brave? Well, yeah. Because now I know how it's going to turn out. See, the Bible talks about peace that passes understanding. Peace that is so... It's not from... You know what? It's not so hard to be peaceful in a lawn chair by a beach at sunset. You know, that's not so hard. That, that, that kind of peace doesn't pass anybody's understanding. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. But when someone can have peace in a situation that's challenging that's difficult, that doesn't seem hopeful, that's peace that passes understanding. Would you agree? That's what the Bible tells us we can have. We can have peace that passes understanding. How do we have that? It's kind of like we know the end before it gets there. The Bible tells us don't be afraid of what can damage just the body, but be afraid of what can steal or damage the soul. See, Jesus has, the, the word of God is filled with promises and scriptures about him. Let's look at Daniel. Daniel chapter three, verse 16. We've got, how many remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? 
the three Hebrews who did not bow down when King Nebuchadnezzar made an idol and said, if you don't worship this idol, this brazen image of me, then I'm going to throw you in a fiery furnace. And everyone bows down. They don't. I like what they said. When he brings them in, he wants to give them another chance. He says, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you kneeling down? And it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. In other words, we don't need to claim that we, we did it. We're guilty. We didn't bow down. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And, we, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, we will not serve your gods or worship your image of gold you have set up. How many of you realize that's courage? But I want you to, to follow their mindset there. They said, look, our God, he's capable of, of saving me. They're in the situation. They, they know. You know what? God can do that. And that's what we think he's going to do. <laughs> but if he doesn't, we're still going to be with our God. See, they knew the end. They knew it was a joke. Like, they realized, hey, God is ultimately what matters. When, when the situation is just totally overwhelming, how do we get that peace? Paul, he told them, have courage. And then he says, I have faith. Faith is trust in God. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. How do I get through the storm? How does my path stay straight in the storm? I don't lean on my understanding. I trust in him. How do I do that? By filling myself with God's word, by making sure that that is what I'm feeding in my heart. If you're here today and you know what's in your future, if you know that if you died today, you'd spend eternity with Jesus in heaven, raise your hand right now. If you don't know, the Bible tells us you can. And it's, you're not going to have the peace that passes understanding when you don't know the end of your story. It just doesn't happen that way. But when you know the end of the story, then you can have that peace, that peace in the situation. You can be the one person in the bus that's just looking around, thinking about, well, where should I hide my wallet? Because you trust God enough to know you've got my back. And if this is my time, I'll see you in a minute. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, and 10, if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, you will be saved. I want to give you that chance. If you've never sealed your future by accepting the forgiveness God gave for your sin, I want to give you that opportunity. When I say three, just raise your hand and we'll say that prayer just like Romans 10, 9, and 10 tells us we can. One, two, three. Is there anybody who wants to say that prayer today? I have one. Is there anybody else? All right. This is what I'd like to do. Let's everybody stand up. We're going to put our hand on our heart and we're going to pray. We're going to pray that exactly what the Bible tells us. We're going to confess that 
We believe that Jesus died on the cross to forgive our sins, that he rose from the dead, that will make him the Lord of our lives. And he promises, he promises you that that's all it takes. And you are forgiven and your sin no longer separates you from him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross. I know he came so that my sin could be forgiven. And then he rose from the dead. I make you the Lord of my life. The captain of my ship. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. For more information about Res Life, please visit our website at reslife.org. If you have questions about Res Life or would like directions to visit us, please feel free to call 616-534-4923.